Welcome to Talking In Stations, a podcast about EVE Online recorded live on Twitch, Saturdays, 1500 Universal Time. I'm Matterall from Imperium News and a member of Dice Corporation Northern Coalition. Today, we're going to talk about refineries and the new mechanics for moon mining, or as they call it, moon fracking. That's today on Talking In Stations. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Uh, let's get some introductions out of the way, and we will start with Carneros. Good morning. I'm Carneros. I'm CEO of The Bastion. Great. We have Dirk McGurk with us. Hey, what's up? Dirk McGurk from The Open Com Show. And hi, Apothne. Hey, I'm Apothne. I'm in Sniggerly in Pandemic Legion. I do tourney stuff and EVE media stuff. Generally, you can't avoid me. I'm sorry. <laughs> and today's guest, a very special guest, we have from Team 5.0, Fozzie, CCB Fozzie. How are you? Hey everyone, yeah, I'm doing really well today. Uh, yeah, I'm CCB Fozzy. I'm one of the game designers uh, working here on Yamaha. We can see that you came into the office uh, on your own time after hours Saturday. So neat little warehouse there that looks like it's CCP behind you, right? Headquarters? Yes, this is the CCP office. So I'm at my desk right now and this is the part of the Team 5.0 area you see behind me. Oh, that's cool. Can you tell us who's on fi- uh, Team 5.0 or is that like super secret? Uh, yeah, it's uh, so uh, kind of going around. The other game designer on the team is CCP Nagwell. He's one of our newer game designers, uh, new to CCP, but a very experienced game designer. Uh, came to us from uh, uh, Rainbow Six and Splinter Cell's previous experience. Um, you guys are going to get a chance to meet him at FanFest. I really look forward to that. He's a great guy. Um, and then uh, CCP Master Plan. CCP Karkor, CCP Ginger Dude, CCP Lebowski. So Master Plan, uh, Karkor, and Ginger Dude are our three engineers. Uh, Lebowski and um, Habakkuk are our two quality assurance analysts. And CCP Mimic is our producer. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. What a great team. Well, that's cool. So what are some of the things that you were involved with in the past? Because you have like this, uh, this wide-ranging amount of stuff that you've touched in the game from to your side uh that was one of the earlier things i remember you doing all the way up to uh, mineral adjustments and not too long ago yeah so i've been with ccp for uh almost five years now um and yeah i've done a, a lot of work on ship balance over the years i've done a lot of work on um uh, system design, so designing mechanics, uh, things like uh, economy balancing, things like um, the solve system, uh, structure systems, uh, system overlay, scanning system, all those kind of things are projects that I had some part in. Did you, uh, d- just between you and me, did you have a favorite project? Oh, I don't know. Uh, balancing is something I really enjoy. That's probably, that would be the one that comes to mind first. Uh, I really love um, tasks that I can work through a problem, a relatively contained problem, and uh, just kind of get it get it done and move on to another one. And so doing uh, small balance tweaks, iterations, stuff like that, it feels very satisfying to me. So I always like to keep some balance projects going as well as some of the, the more complex systems projects. Uh-huh. I think I kind of switch back and forth and get a different type of, uh, a different type of problem to solve. I remember yeah. you saying you have a lot of fun when you get to design the 80 ships each year because you get a, quite a lot of freedom in that regard. Yes, those are always very fun. AT ships are fun, any kind of limited ships, because uh, you can generally go a little bit out there. Um, I'm pretty excited to talk a bit more in the future about the, um, the Concorde ships that are going to be available uh, at FanFest, so I've been working on the design on those for a little while. 
Um, these are uh, special limited edition ships, kind of like the Gnosis and Sinesis in their role in the game, and that they're going to be ships that come from CCP. Uh, the, the first way to get them is going to be going to FanFest and uh, eVegas, and then there'll be more ways to get them in the future after some limited ex exclusivity time. Uh, and those I was able to do, come up with some pretty interesting, uh, unusual mechanics for them that fit the Concord role pretty well. So I'm, I'm excited to let people see those. And also the art team is knocked out of the park because uh, I don't, don't think it's much of a secret now because some people have been seeing it on the test servers. There are new graphics coming for those ships as well. Oh, cool. Now, if you can't make it to FanFest, but you do buy a FanFest ticket, is there any way to get the ship? I don't believe we're tying those into, well, I don't know what the ticket is. That you'd have to ask the uh, community and customer service people about. I, I can say for sure is that there will be ways to get these ships beyond fa uh, FanFest in Vegas. Uh, the first way to get them will be FanFest in Vegas, but... Uh, after that, there will be other ways to get them. In a lot of ways, you can think of them kind of like the uh, Gnosis and the Sinesis in that occasionally there are gonna, there's going to be ways that CCP uh, makes available to get them. Um, they'll Sweet. be that kind of promotional ship. Oh, cool. Sounds interesting. Okay, so and we'll get to FanFest because it's coming up really soon. Uh, we'll get there at the end of the show. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, before we get into it, I want to kind of give a little bit of background, uh, or at least have Fozzie give us a little bit of background on the, uh, the first dev blog that came out. There were two of them that came out in a pair, and that was re uh, regarding the new pathway, or actually an adjustment to the pathway, and that you were going to be doing a three-pronged approach. You'd be doing fixing bugs, adding modules, and then also working on new structures. Do you uh, want to talk about that at all? Yeah, sure. So uh, this first blog talked about the general structure work that we're doing overall, and then the second blog went into the specifics on these new set of structures, the refineries. One thing I wanted to make clear in that blog was that we're always working on adding new features to these structures. And we really wanted to highlight that because we also put out a survey at the same time that's still available in that dev blog uh, to get players' opinions on what we should work on next, how we should prioritize different features. And you've been seeing this over the last couple of releases. Uh, last release, we put out um, item repair and ship repair in citadels and engineering complexes. Uh, the release before that uh, was insurance. Uh, and we've been continuing to do these these updates. Um, we put in contracts uh, last year. So this isn't something that's necessarily a uh, a new pathway, but it is something that we want to uh, kind of um, codify a little bit more, make it clear that that's something that we wanted to set aside time for to make sure that it doesn't get left on the sidelines. And that's cool for people that aren't necessarily running for CSM. I mean, that's your that's your avenue to tell CCP in a very direct way, like what you're interested in and stuff. So I encourage you guys to write uh, to answer those surveys when they come out. They're really really uh, helpful, I think, to them. All right, so let's get on with starting with this new. Uh, this is the latest structure. It's called the refinery. Uh, but structures in general, are you guys happy with where they are as far as? you know, the defensibility of them and the, the servicing, the service that they do for players and stuff. How do how you feel about the structures? Uh, if you ask the CSM members, they'll probably tell you how annoying this can be uh, when you ask me a question like this, because I always uh, hate saying we're happy with things because I always, I always try to, I'm always kind of hung up on what there is left to do. Uh, I, <laughs> so my answer will almost always be no in, in, 
when there's a are you happy with X question. Because you're uh, never it, fully happy. It's been progress. It's, it's, we're continuing to make progress. It's better than what there's, it, we had before. And what we're going to have next week is going to be better than what we have now. We're continuing to improve the game that way. And I do think that that has been, been good forward momentum. Um, there is still a, a lot of stuff that we'd like to change. Some of these are pretty uh, complex problems that may not have a solution that's ever going to satisfy everybody. Uh, I know there's been a lot of great discussion uh, triggered partly by the survey about things like uh, the vulnerability system and uh, time zone mechanics. Um, it's, it's a really big challenge that comes from making a game that has uh, uh, worldwide servers. Uh, if we had time zone servers, it would make this problem so much easier. But of course, we would never do that because that's so much against what makes Eve Eve. Um, yeah. So we definitely like to improve these, but uh, I think what we have now is definitely, definitely uh, progressing. Well, that's actually, and it's understated that you have to deal with problems that other MMOs don't have to deal with at all, and that everybody plays in the same uh, sandbox uh, from all over the world. And so there's this whole time zone issue uh, that you guys have to deal with. Yeah, one of the core uh, design principles behind new structures when the whole work on Citadels was being done uh, was that we wanted to make sure that uh, as much as possible we were allowing players to... uh, to interact with each other rather than have you interact with the structure by itself. We wanted to de-emphasize as much as possible um, shooting a structure when there's nobody there to defend it, when there's no one, no other players to interact with, just essentially player versus inanimate object gameplay. Um, and that's what, the main reason we wanted to make sure that, uh, for instance, the structure doesn't uh, fire on its own. It needs to have a person inside of it to attack. Uh, and that's also why we tried to focus as much as possible on having the engagements uh, take place at a time when the defender can actually be around to uh, commit some space violence against the attackers. Yeah, that's a great segue to these, uh, this first question about moon mining. Uh, so this is, this is a refinery that's come out. Uh, but before we talk about the refinery, I wanted to ask you about your goal for the refinery, which was uh, active group. And that was your goal to create something that was uh, for active groups. Uh, and how is that in contrast to what moon mining was before. Yeah, so moon mining before um, is a bit of gameplay that the actual mechanic of it itself is very passive. You would just uh, have to pick up and haul the stuff after you set up this really terrible interface to get it running in the beginning. But with the group gameplay in that came from defending it. So it came from when people attacked it, you would have to fight over it. Uh, but then only then you generally have a pretty small amount of um, gameplay in maintaining it. Uh, there'd be a little bit of hauling, but nothing else. Uh, what we wanted to do was uh, provide a system that both allowed group gameplay fighting over it, just like we have right now, uh, but also allowed group gameplay in doing the actual harvesting. One of the big goals of 5.0, so every team here has their own missions. 5.0 is probably one of the more general and one of the harder to put into a box uh, because we tend to have uh, people with a lot of different specialties uh, that can cover a lot of different game systems. So we tend to get pulled in a bunch of different directions and you, you can kind of see if you keep track of what we work on, it's a bit, it can seem a bit scattershot, but one of the, uh, probably the, the core uh, thing that uh, defines the 5.0 purpose is uh, we want to be a team that is providing leaders, uh, which is leaders in big alliances or in small corps, uh, reasons to inspire their followers and things to inspire their followers to do projects that they can work towards, things that they can collectively achieve. Uh, Because we think that's going to, A, allow our leadership players, who are the ones that are providing really the content for everybody else, 
great opportunities to do that and also reasons to recruit new players. So that's actually a way of supporting the NP as well, making sure that every organization wants newbies. Yeah, that's great. So this moon mining, the way that it's been laid out is uh, essentially these refineries will take aim at a moon and drill it. I don't know if that's a laser blast or a drill, but it breaks off a big chunk of the actual moon that floats towards the refinery at a certain pace determined by the person that broke it off the moon. And then they blast it again when it, beca- when it comes into proximity and explode it into many asteroids uh, like a, an asteroid field. And then at that point, uh, people can mine it for the moon minerals, which is fucking amazing thinking. <laughs> like, I have to say, I was reading that thinking, mind blown, that's amazing. Like, I, I don't know where that came from, but that's must be hours of drinking in Iceland <laughs> or something. One of the great things about working on a game that's been around this long is generally uh, ideas will bubble to the surface that have been discussed for years among players. So these, this kind of just general concept is one, obviously, that exists in other sci-fi as well. Uh, but it's one that when we've talked about moon mining with players over the past decade, really, but for me over the last five years, uh, this idea is one that keeps appearing. And when you see that, when you see an idea keep appearing over the course of multiple years, uh, that's often a sign that it's one that's worth putting a bit more investigation into and seeing if it'll work out. Now, I wonder what it was that batted it down. It's like, oh, that's preposterous. That's like way too epic. <laughs> like, you know, we well, can't what possibly... usually happens with those ideas is what bats it down temporarily is, well, okay, we don't have time right now because we have the photo thing. Right. We'll, we'll keep it on, keep it bubbling, keep it percolating. And uh, uh, Eve concepts often uh, get better with age as the people rolled around in the back of their mind and the idea gets refined, even if nobody's actively working on it. The fact that as a collective, as a community, and as a design team, we're kind of thinking well, about it. And, and even that the time. technology must change too, because now you have this giant grid, whereas before you had a smaller grid, and maybe that allows more space to work in, I don't know. Yes, uh, the grid absolutely helps with this. Um, it would be impossible, for instance, to see the uh, the chunk when it's more than a grid distance away from the structure, for instance. So you just wouldn't, the thing wouldn't appear uh on your overview, wouldn't appear visually, uh, at least not easily. So having the big grids were yeah. pretty much a prerequisite. All right, so we'll do this walkthrough, and then the guys will come in and ask questions. Can you just kind of walk us through how that cycle works, like what you would think is a, a typical day at the mining field or, you know, moon mining field? All right. So the, uh, the structure, the refinery itself, is a structure that just like Citadel's an engineering complex can be placed almost anywhere, obviously not too close to other structures, not too close to stations or stargates and things like that, uh, and not a Jita. But otherwise, it can be placed all those normal spots. But if you place it in the right location around a moon, then you'll have, and there's no one else with an active uh, moon drill module. We haven't exactly settled on the name for the module yet, but I'll refer to it as a drill uh, right now. Um, that service module, if no one else has one of those active on that same moon, you can activate, fit this module, activate it, and then it'll start this process. You can choose how long you want the cycle to go. The longer cycles mean uh, larger returns overall, although you actually will get slight benefits, slightly more returns from multiple small cycles than one large cycle. So just like PI, if you come back a bit more often, you will get a bit better, but that'll be a trade-off that uh, will, of course, need to get balanced and tweaked to make sure it's it's something that doesn't feel punishing but feels uh, interesting. The, that will then pull up this chunk of the moon. Um, observers will be able to watch that chunk and get an idea of when the moon is going to, or when the uh, belt is going to be ready. They won't get to know for sure. We're actually intentionally putting uh, some uncertainty into that movement. It's not going to be entirely uh, 
definitive when you look at it and track it for, say, five minutes when it's going to arrive exactly. But when it's ready to go, you'll explode it, you create the moon, and then you do the mining. So the person controlling the structure will get to choose that cycle. And they can set it to say, hey, I want this to happen on this Saturday because I know we're going to have people ready to go, for instance, in my time zone. Okay. It seems like if you don't do anything with the giant slab that has come up, it kind of disintegrates on its own, which is kind of cool, too, because I just love that concept. Is Are those equivalent? Is it just the uh, you can detonate it on demand for your guys so you know how to schedule your guys or is there actually like if you does it the mineral composition actually get weaker if you let it disintegrate on its own under the current plan there wouldn't be any difference in the so, ore that would appear it would be the same so it's just uh, a timer yeah yeah the reason we have that uh, that last step of exploding there's actually two reasons for it uh one is that we thought it was going to feel awesome and feeling awesome is <laughs> just a great goal sometimes for a video game. When in doubt, have a giant laser shoot something and make it explode in a pretty explosion uh, is a good rule of thumb. So that's the first reason. Second reason is that we wanted to make sure that we were providing another nice little benefit for being the person owning the structure. Because of the fact that, and this is going to be something we'll probably come back to a lot, uh, because of the fact that anyone can come in and mine these, we wanted to make sure there was enough good reasons to want to have, be the one owning the structure. Because you're paying some fuel for it, you're, you've fought over that moon, presumably, and are holding this structure defensively. Uh, and so one of the benefits is that within a small period. So it's this period where uh, you can fire on it is only a couple of hours long. We wanted to make sure that you have that buffer. So for instance, if your uh, fleet is taking a bit longer to form up, which is pretty much the uh, universal situation in EVE, you don't need to panic about, oh shit, our uh, our uh, moon is going to explode uh, right at this point. And if we get there too late, then uh, someone else will already be starting to mine it. You can have a little bit of a buffer so you can... Uh, compensate for uh, that one guy who's having trouble finding a ship or is in the wrong ship or something like that. Yes, actually, go ahead, Carnos. Thank you. Okay, imagine with me for a moment that you're you're forming up. Uh, uh, I'm picturing forming up my guys to, to go harvest an R64. And I'm thinking, we're going to probably need to put together a mining fleet and a PvP fleet and move them together. And they'll go to the moon and they'll uh, the PvP fleet will protect it while the mining fleet does the mining. The guys in the channel want me to make sure that the stuff we're mining can be locked by a Rorqual and will be suffice to meet the requirements for a panic module. Uh, yes, it will. <laughs> and then um, it's going to take X period of time to clean out this uh, spawning belt. But the average length of gameplay session of a miner is a little bit different than the average length of gameplay session of a PvP fleet. They each have sort of a different uh, patience level before they start to get whiny and want to do something else, unless you have super caps tackled, in which case they'll go for hours and hours. What, what, what are you picturing as sort of a range of possibility for length of gameplay for this session? Did that get discussed? Um, so you will have a lot of control over that by deciding how long the cycle is. Um, so if you wanted to have a shorter session, you can do that by having the cycles happen more often. Uh, if you want to only have to get this fleet together once every month and a half, you can set the really long ones. Um, so you have a bit of choice over that. I'd say in general, um, this is going to be a shorter play session activity than most mining is. This is going to lean towards a, a burst of extra valuable mining. Uh, it's not going to be something that we expect any miners will uh, 
spend the majority of their mining time doing. Um, the, uh, the other thing that we're working on is that we can't promise anything yet, but there's more that we're trying to do to um, make sure that there's things for the, uh, the combat pilots to do in the meantime as well. Um, for instance, we are really interested in investigating what we can do with some of the uh, newer NPC AI uh, so that perhaps there's also an opportunity for the people who have guns oh, on their cool. ships to be shooting some stuff to maybe give some bounties at the same time. Very cool. Uh, so they have something to keep them busy. And then maybe if an enemy fleet is arriving, you're fighting that, you just you don't shoot that NPC retriever so you don't call them. Or you call in the enemy um, NPCs and hope that they shoot your uh, enemies instead of you. I, I always love that in involving NPCs, like triggering them to come in and become a variable in the fight. That's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't promise that yet. We're still doing some investigating, but um, because we've got this great base of the uh, the mining NPCs that got released last December, where there's some NPC miners that show up, and then if somebody shoots at them, they call in uh, combat support that is a lot more like player ships than most NPCs. Um, we think there's an opportunity to use some of that. Um, this, it, the uh, work that Team Phenomenon is doing, including this work with the um, the mining NPCs, uh, definitely tries to keep in mind how can other teams use this to hook into their features. They are, uh, in a lot of ways, they're actually a a tools team, des- developing uh, NPC and PVE content tools that can then be used for all kinds of different features. And they also just make a feature with it at the same time. Okay, so your rocks have spawned and your miners have started. Do they have the ability to review what they see on the field, pick the choicest ones and start first with those in case we're under heavy pressure we might not be able to stay for the entire field? Uh, Yes. So um, one thing that we've been investigating that, again, I can't promise there's some technical issues with it, would be having these asteroids be ones that you uh, might need to scan to know which ones are the best ones rather than have it be obvious by type. If we did do that, then one thing we would provide is that the person piloting the structure would be able to get a giant powerful scanner to be able to direct his miners, which would then be another way that the the team owning the structure would have a little bit of a knowledge advantage over any attackers. But barring that, if, assuming we can't get that working, uh, what we would do is just have it work like normal ores, where you can see the, that it's a plus 5% version of this ore, and you can know what that ore refines into. I do see a piece of gameplay that involves deciding when to stop harvesting for the Alliance and when to leave the rest for guys to enjoy. If you feel like staying, go for it. The rest is fun. Or even yeah, yeah, if you nearby allies want to enjoy this, go for it. I mean, we've kind of we've kind of bounced around a number of things here, and it's taken us. I was hoping to kind of clarify some detail. I don't want to say details, but I mean, can, can you comment at all about the mass size of moonfields based on the range of cycle times? I mean, you know, what would the shortest cycle time be? What would the longest cycle time be? And then, what size moonfields are we talking about here? Um, so we don't have uh, hard decisions made on the, the longest and shortest yet. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if we go shorter than a week, but we'll see. We might go a little bit shorter than a week for the minimum. Uh, and then the maximum will probably be at least a month, and then there's a decent chance it'll be higher than that. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, number crunching and uh, balancing that still has to be done there. And this is one of the things we can tweak uh, quite easily, so it's a good, a good tuning dial as well. Uh, as for the amount uh, of ore that is available there, uh, you can kind of work backwards a little bit from figuring out the fact that we want these to be more valuable than uh, the current top end ores. Uh, but these are not going to be these are not going to be uh, 
um, like seven, 10 hour uh, operations for a, if you have a mining group, you'll be able to get them done pretty quickly. This looks like a balancing nightmare for you, Fozzie. It's a good thing you like that kind of work. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do uh, on that, uh, but uh, we've at the moment we're focusing on making sure that we have all of the dials. Because uh, you do that first, you make sure that what you've built is flexible enough to be able to react, uh, and then we can get all the uh, the actual dials set to what we want after that. There's a question from chat. Uh, sorry, I'll give it right back to you, Dirk. Uh, and that is, how long do you think it'll take to mine one of these fields? Is did you already cover that? Yeah, it'll be very variable, and we don't have exact numbers for that yet. That's part of one of the things that's still uh, it's still going to be worked on. Um, we'll probably be talking a bit more about that over the next couple of months. We're still a ways away from the release of this feature. Okay. Now, you know, the question came up about you know cherry picking and things like that, which would mean to say that um, a cadmium moon that we know today is not necessarily going to be just a cadmium moon in the future. Let's call it. Um, you know, the, the dev blog says the composition of the field will depend on the composition of the moon materials available in the moon. Can you explain anything about are moons going to be different in the future? Uh, it's very possible that they may be. We don't have anything to commit to at the moment, though. Uh, unfortunately, there's going to be a couple of questions where this, that answer is going to be what I have to give. Um, yeah. And most of the economy-based ones are going to fall into that category right now, where we'll say we're thinking about some options, but there's two reasons not to talk about it. One is that we haven't decided, uh, which is true for all of these. We haven't fully decided. Uh, the other is that when we do talk a bit more about what we might do, we want that to be in a... Uh, in something like a dev blog where uh, it's the speculators uh, kind of get equal access to it. Right. And if that happens, if those questions come up, just say, you know, let's move on or no comment, whatever, so that we don't. Well, I mean, there's, you know, there's certainly a lot of variables here that I want to say, even, even if that level of detail is out there, right, you, know, you still don't know what's going to happen because it comes down to, are people going to be doing this, right? And at what rate are they going to be doing it? And you know, what cycle times are each of them going to be using and, you know, how often are their miners going to be out there taking care of it and that. So, I mean, it's, it's really kind of, given the current state of moons as we know it now, all right, and the fixed nature of output. So, like, right now, we can basically quantify how many moons are out there, of what kind, and it's 100 units per hour from, you know, the material that comes off of them, right? Do you expect that the new system is going to allow for higher potential aggregate output? or uh, the same or lower? I'd say it's likely that uh, depending on player action, it, the, the potential maximum will probably be higher than it is right now, but that the, whether the actual output is higher or lower will depend on player action. Yep. Can we expect any kind of um, depletion of moon resources um, that Similar to, because you mentioned planetary interaction before and diminishing returns over longer cycles, right? Can we expect any kind of depletion mechanic built into this that if you do go and run faster cycles that you somehow, I don't know, create some sort of drilling fatigue or, I mean, in planetary interaction, you're dealing with hotspots, right? And, and you will deplete that hotspot and then have to move extractors someplace else. Is there any kind of depletion mechanic that's being built into this? That's a good question. That's, of course, something that's been discussed a lot over the years as well. Um, that's not currently part of our plan. So at least for this first iteration, we very well may, we're keeping the options open. We um, want, don't want to rule it out ever happening. 
Um, it could be something that comes later. But for this release, uh, we are not planning on setting up depletion. It's, that's a challenging one because although there's definitely some benefits, um, both in just uh, universe immersion and also in making things a little bit more dynamic, uh, one big downside is that uh, we actually get a lot of value at gameplay-wise out of the fact that people tend to overestimate how long they can hold on to a moon um, because of the <laughs> fact that it's a, a permanent uh, resource. Um, and you can undercut that a lot by making it uh, switch, especially if you made it switch too often. Um, so we, we'd want to be very careful if we did something like that with player psychology. Um, want to make sure that people are still very willing to, uh, to commit a lot of effort into the fights over these things. Um, and uh, making them dynamic could potentially undercut that a lot. So I'd say not part of our current plan for this year at least. Gotcha. I do want to swing back here to, uh, let's see here. All right, all right, already covered that one. Um, let's talk about launch day here for a second, okay? Because one of the things that it says in the dev blog is on, on patch day, on launch day, um, you're going to be removing reprocessing rigs from, from existing structures out there and giving people the option of either putting them back on. Uh, on launch day, are, are you going to release BPOs for any of these structures ahead of time so that people have a chance to build structures in advance and what's going to happen on launch day uh, you know, because obviously if you don't on launch day there'll be no refineries out there and you're going to be removing rigs that people are going to have to choose well do i put them back on now or not um what about existing pauses that are already moon mining on that day there's a lot of structures and modules that will need to be built in order to take over what moons are doing now yeah all right so i'll start with um blueprints and talk a bit about skills as well because that was tend to fall in the same category. Um, we uh, very well may release some of those a little bit early to let people get a jump on building. Um, that being said, there is some value, I think, in having the uh, having a, a nice flurry of activity in a race to be the first ones to build it. It's um, patch days with new blueprints where you can use that the um, result of that blueprint right away often tend to be ones that uh, get very exciting for industrialists because it allows them to uh, have set up supply chains. It allows them to kind of race to be the first ones to meet this need. And you undercut that a lot if you put them out early. Um, so I'd say we could go either way on that. We haven't fully decided whether we would release those things a little bit early or right on patch day and just count on people having built up a little bit of a buffer of uh, materials, which there are quite a bit of stockpiles of tech materials. So people will be able to just, we're definitely not worried that nobody you'll be able to build a tech two item. Uh, the prices may fluctuate, of course, but that's uh, that's pretty normal. Um, the as for how we are going to deal with things like uh, the existing star bases, uh, the current plan is that those would stop mining. So the star bases would still exist, uh, but the moon miner would not be collecting any more uh, resources uh, as of the server coming up on patch day. Hmm. It's like Christmas for industrialists. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, the, the release of Citadels and the release of Engineering Complexes both were moments where industrialists could engage in a, a really exciting bit of uh, competitive gameplay that you don't necessarily get the rest of the time. It, yes, like except, that. That, except that stations existed at that time or, you know, still, you know, still exist, right? I mean, the services were still available. Here you're talking about on patch day that basically you'll have the death of moon mining until people begin to build these structures. And then you have the, the, you know, the, the giant land rush that will happen as structures start coming online and people start putting these structures on the moons that they want to put them on. You're going to have a, a 
pretty pretty sizable delay in in new moon goo ac- acquisition. Yep. Yeah. If we go that way, if we don't release blueprints early, then that would definitely be the case. Um, the uh, in that case, what would happen is the people who have stockpiles some uh, would. Uh, uh, sell those off at a bit of a premium. In the meantime, people would price in th- that time that uh, gap into their pricing of moon materials before the patch. I'll say for sure that whatever decision we make on that, you'll know more than more than a couple of months ahead of time what that's going to be, and so the market will have plenty of time to react one way or the other. Okay. Uh, another question that was brought up by a friend of the show, Ashtarathi, was: Will there be an overlap between uh, pauses and and moon? Uh, on moons themselves between pauses and uh, drilling uh, refineries. Uh, yeah, we're not going to be removing uh, the ability to uh, use pauses in general uh, with this patch. So pauses will continue to work as normal. Uh, the, the What would stop working would be moon miners and reactors under that plan. Mm-hmm. The place that you would be able to place refineries to mine for the moon won't won't be the same location as the uh, the location the pauses are at. So yes, you'd be, you'd be able to have a pause and a refinery on the same moon, just as you can right now have a pause and a citadel that are both near the same moon. I, I'm, just, I'm just gonna throw in here. I mean, we, we are talking about what looks to be a significant disruption in the economy of, of moon goo related stuff. If we've got this kind of delay in between positive, moon mining pauses shutting down and, and then being replaced by. Yep, let's yeah. just say I know how much I know how many stockpiles there are of these moon materials, and I and <laughs> I'm not very worried about that. Yeah. Uh, well, well, it's not the supply, right? Not it's not the supply. Stockpiles. Well, it, you know, and it's not the supply because there could be people out there hoarding it and hoarding it and hoarding it, right? That are you know now getting ready to sit there and go, hey, guess what? This is now this is now worth tenfold what it used to be. Well, as the uh, this is going to, somebody's going to be rewarded for their long-term investment planning, I think, uh, out there. Not uh, to switch off the subject here, sure. but uh, the other things that pauses still do at this point, uh, like, a, like jump bridges and, and uh, sinusural beacons, uh, are you working on anything to maybe uh, replace those? Uh, we have plans, yes. Uh, they're still early plans, and they're not going to come before refineries. So uh, yeah. refineries are the next uh, structures that we have planned. Um, That'll be a different are, show. We are, of course, running uh, running an early runway of design for uh, more structures, and those include uh, replacements for the other POS functions. Uh, so the the things that POSs do right now that you can't get any other way, um, sino jammers, sino beacons, jump bridges, those are all things that we do have a plan to eventually um, have in new structures, and in, and we won't remove pauses until we've got all of those replacements in place. It's just fun to hear you talk about that, even if it's not the time yet. <laughs> Sorry, Carneros. No, but it's uh, it is because I think actually Fuzzy said at the last fan fest, uh, in one year I'll be standing here telling you that we're you know moving away from pauses essentially and stuff, and it's like almost done. So well, what, yeah, what I said was in one year we'll be we'll have a buy. I, in one year I expect we'll have buyback programs in place for at least some pause modules. And you're gonna keep that promise. Uh, I think we're going to be close to keeping it. We might miss it by a little bit, but uh, I think we'll be pretty close to keeping it. That's all right. It's, uh, it's but definitely amazing. not for all boss. It's amazing progress, though, when you, when you said it. I thought, oh, my God, that's, that's a tall order. But you guys are pretty close. Good job. Now, um, there was a question I wanted to ask, but somebody out in the audience has, has kind of given the, the same general thing. 
you've got two structures that are both sitting on the same moon. One is currently drilling it, you know, for, one is currently fracking it, right? It means the other one cannot also frack it. Now it brings it in, uh, you know, let's, let's say it's structure A bring, you know, brings it in and um, explodes it, right? Is there a period there where the other structure could then begin drilling it and kind of, and kind of move in or, or is, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you, where structure B can can you know be, now begin a fracking cycle and kind of you know cut in. Yeah, I get what you're saying. That won't be possible. You'll have to you'll have to deal with the uh, either make an agreement or uh, expend some ammo and getting rid of the other. <laughs> so, so you do have to give up. So if you're dancing with the moon and somebody wants to cut in, they you have to let them cut, <laughs> or you have to be pushed over. Okay. Yeah. yeah. After which we're can not I dance with your in. date. Um, we, as for the general case of uh, how do we prevent it from just being a who gets to press the button first? Like so, for instance, if a one good question we've seen from the forum thread um, is, "Hey, if I destroy a refinery uh, that is currently fracking the moon, and then there's like five other uh, refineries that are all there, and is it a race to see who can press the online <laughs> button first? Uh, we have a we have a plan for that. Uh, at the moment, there's a main plan and a fallback solution, depending on the technical considerations. And we're still investigating the technical details to know which one of those we'll go with. So we'll talk about it a bit more when we're a bit closer to that. But I'll say that it's definitely something that we, we've been thinking about and that we don't expect will be a, uh, at least that form of problem. Cool. That question was from Deck uh, Eleron. And uh, keep writing your questions, guys. We're going to copy and paste them all and... Uh... Give them over to Fozzie. Oh, yeah, no, yeah we'll certainly try and find them there. Um, um, okay, um, the refinery's drilling cycle. Let's talk about reinforcement here. If re, uh, if a structure gets reinforced on the first cycle, does it shut it down the way that it would a pause right now, now when it goes into reinforce? So this is definitely subject to change. Um, we're interested to hear what people think about it. But the current kind of default plan would be to have this work like other service modules which would mean that the first reinforcement wouldn't pause it, but the second reinforcement would. In fact, actually, we're investigating having the, when the uh, module goes offline, either because it went into armor reinforce or because somebody offline it or ran out of fuel, actually having the moon chunk start slowly descending back towards the moon. Uh, so you actually lose progress rather than it just pause. Oh, it might explode into the moon? Uh, if it gets all the way down to the bottom, yeah, you'd have to start from scratch. See, we'll just yeah. see, we'll just have to like let that happen, just so that we can like watch that watch that occur, because it's got to exp- you know, it's got to do something to create a crater or something. Um, so that's, that's cool. we're, we're looking at that. Um, but yeah, that's I'd say the the default plan um, would be to have the behavior of this match the behavior of the service modules, which would be that's as long epic. as the service module yeah. is running, the it's making progress. If the service module goes offline for any reason, including armor reinforced, then it would either pause or start slowly ro- rolling backwards. And then if the service module is either um, unfitted or the structure explodes, then the cycle would go away entirely, and you'd have to start from scratch. If I mean, it sounds like you, you want to get. And it get you know it gets into this whole thing of time zone tanking and everything else that is related to that is related to the new structures that if you've got to go two cycles deep into you know you know two reinforcements deep before you can even shut down the drilling process i mean at that point you might as well just you know come back a third time and blow the damn thing up i mean as opposed to as opposed to create you know generating generating content by coming out there and shutting down somebody's thing on the first cycle and now they've got to get out there to to stop you from doing that. Otherwise, they're going to be losing out economically. 
yeah, I, I think that's something we could we could look at doing some other options for uh, for that first 24 hour period. Uh, keep in mind that the, the the much bigger penalty is having that it get paused for the second reinforcement, anyways, because that's the the longer period um, that you lose time on uh, rather than just losing it for a day. Uh, but yeah, I think it's something we'll definitely be. We, we are keeping our options open for. We're not we're not committing to that solution, but that's that's, that's what I describe as our default right now. Cool. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, talking about mining director and the ledger, which is kind of cool too. So the mining director will be able to be inside the station and also defend his mining fleet. It sounds like. So yes, you, you'll be able to um, to. Uh, control the uh, structure just like a engineering complex or a citadel. It'll be able to fit weapons and electronic warfare just like an engineering complex and a, cit- and a citadel. And uh, we're going to be making sure that the moon belt at least is in a position where you'll be able to cover the miners in some way with the weapons. Uh, so it's not going to be uh, yeah. a thousand kilometers away from the structure or anything like that. And the advantage of the larger one as opposed to the medium one is that you can actually put more weapons on it. That's one of the things that. That's you, definitely one of the big advantages. And more you can talk on it. Cool. You can Who's going to want to go out there? Who's going to want to go out there and mine this stuff in an exumer? Uh, I think uh, plenty of people will. It's to, mining exumer is still. Yes. still You're going to want to bring your work well too, bro. Oh well, yeah, they're going to want to bring their work well, but not everyone has a work well. Yeah. And uh, you're going to want to bring your facts also, so that means you need a Fortisar. It's going to be expensive. Well, we'll see how it plays out. It can play out many different ways, but not everybody. Yeah, it's going to uh, play out. It's going to play out all kinds of different ways. I mean, it, it, it's going to be different in a place like the Imperium than it's going to be different in a you know with, with renter guys. <laughs> well, no, no, of course, and, and and that's why it is going to be so different out there in terms of potential output from these things. Um, there's going to be such a wide range of of yields coming out that it's really going to be difficult to uh, kind of predict them. Mm-hmm. We've all talked about this all week, right? We get into private mm-hmm. groups and talk and talk and talk. And I'm sure CCP has talked about it for years uh, and worked a lot of this stuff out. Um, but there's definitely a lot of dynamics. One thing that's definitely true about this, a lot of dynamics and scenarios that can play out and, and uh, things that we haven't even thought about yet, too. Uh, so it's interesting. But I like the idea that um, the structure itself is like a stationary piloted ship that has a certain task that can also participate in the mining fleet as well, which I think is great. And it looks like it could expand into boosting uh, your fleet as well. Mining boosting, it sounds like. Yeah, we're at least investigating that. I don't want to make any commitments, but we're looking at sure. and and we were, we're definitely very interested in, in ways that the uh, pilot of the structure can benefit their mining fleets beyond just uh, um, increasing the yield per minute. Things like, like I mentioned before, if we were able to have the uh, the ores require scanning to know which is the, the best uh, and uh, have the structure be able to automatically scan the whole thing so that they have that very powerful Intel role. Things like that are ones we think would be very, uh, very engaging roles for it to use. But we're, we're definitely uh, don't have any commitments we can make at that. We're interested right. in hearing what people have to say, though, if there's... Uh, people that have ideas of what you would like to see the structure be able to do. Um, we would well, you could, love uh, feedback and ideas. You could uh, so write your stuff to Fozzie and uh, give him some feedback. But it would be interesting because if you could actually scan the field, you could call out primary stone, primary uh, asteroids yep. to mine and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. What about this ledger? It's, it's, we call it uh, kill males for rocks, uh, which is <laughs> great. So one of the things you guys talked about is. We want to give people a chance to see their own progress. And the kill males are this incredible aphrodisiac of motivation for people that do crazy things just to get that kill mail or to get on the kill mail. But it's not. I mean, it's, it's not 
and, and he I mean, he can explain but, it obviously, but, but it doesn't not, sound like it's at the individual pilot level. This is this is an aggregated thing that I think the station will see, not not. not yeah, but it's a recording. It's a recording of your. I was here. I was here. I did Don't something. Don't bring up the name Bob in vain. <laughs> but can you tell us about the ledger? Yeah, sure. So um, actually, you're both kind of right here when it, uh, about the group versus individual. Um, what we uh, it initially came to this ledger from the perspective of we wanted a way for the um, owner of the structure to be able to get a nice benef intel benefit of keeping track of who's mining to uh, facilitate cooperation and facilitate getting angry at someone going on a revenge crusade, um, which are both these core parts of EVE. Uh, so we wanted to allow the, the owners of the structure to be able to look and see who is mining, which you can use for a lot of things. You can use to say, hey, you mined this, I want you to give me some money. Or you could say, hey, you mined it and then our, haul our hauler for this mining op brought it in and the corp took the ore, here's your payout of the chunk because we sold it and here's your percentage of the income. All of that works, um, but also be able to say, hey, while I was offline, this guy came in and mined my stuff. I'm going to uh, declare war on him and uh, infiltrate his corp and uh, go on a five-year crusade. In, in what? Uh, okay, why give so much free intel, though? Um, I, and, and look, a lot of people love the idea of this spreadsheet because, number one, they love being able to keep track of things, okay? But in a way, one of the big uncertainties about EVE is who's ripping you off? Mm -hmm. and, um, and, this, and, and this in this one, you know, in this case here, it gives you that answer. It's not free. You build a giant structure and then you tore a chunk out of a moon. Uh, there's an effort involved there. Um, the uh, so Monthly it's economic we, report. That one's free. Yeah, there's we there is there is free intel in the game, but this this in particular wouldn't be free. Um, we think that, uh, this again is something I mentioned before, and we'll probably come back to a lot, is that we wanted to make sure that there were lots of good reasons to want to be the person owning the structure, uh, rather than just being the person mining. Uh, and this, and we thought, well, this we think is a really strong uh, benefit we can give that is uh, nice and balanced to the, the person owning the structure. If you built this thing, it is there on grid with the uh, rocks the whole time, it can keep track of it for you. Um, when I said both of you were right, though, what I also uh, we're also investigating. We came at it from that direction of let's let's find a way to provide this benefit that is specific to moon mining. But uh, the more we looked into it, the more obvious it became that this is something that would be useful in a lot of different contexts. So what we only we can commit to right now is that we are planning on having it work for the moon mining, but we'd also really like to have it work for say I can view all of my personal mining, so I can look over how much mining I did. Uh, on this week and how much money I did in this month and keep track of uh, my progress and see uh, how my efficiency, is, efficiency has changed. Um, be able to view light kill mails. It wouldn't be per rock, but it would be uh, some kind of view back on uh, the amount of mining I did. And then potentially have things like if you have solve in a system and built a structure that can keep track of it, connect like connected to the iHub, for instance, that you would be able to uh, view mining of the whole system. Again, not for free because you had to build the structure, you had to take the solve, you've invested that infrastructure and you can get that benefit from that infrastructure. Yeah, which was something that you stated as a, as a goal, overall design goal was to give people more opportunity to, to measure their own progress, to see how they contribute to the group and that sort of stuff, which I thought was kind of cool. And so do you think this might um, be showing up in... Uh, as uh, evolve into something of a because we're talking about income here, uh, some kind of taxation model that can um, 
that you, or would it be more like, okay, I can look at the ledger, see who I owe, and I would pay them out that way? Or would you make it more automatic where uh, people can actually just uh, say, blow up this minefield and then let the public come and take a cut of their proceeds? So we want to make sure that any system we build here is is very Eve-like, as much as possible as open-ended. Um, we also, we looked into having things like have it magically teleport or around as a taxation system, like a certain chunk of your cycle goes into the structure. Decided that A, didn't fit very well with, didn't fit very well in the universe and uh, could potentially be used to kind of too safely collect the ore. Um, and B, uh, didn't provide enough opportunities for you to say, fuck you, I'm not going to pay. Um, we needed to make sure that there's those those opportunities as well. So uh, what we decided to go with is let's give people that information and then let human-to-human interactions figure out the rest. Um, we think there's more opportunities in the future to provide better tools for allowing people to manage the kind of things they would like to do uh, with the, that information. Like, for instance, having a uh, ability to send someone a mail that says, here, press this button to give me money or else I'm going to come shoot you or something like that. Um, which, of course, can be used for a lot of things in need. But uh, we don't want to... At the moment, what we want to do is just provide the information, see what players do with it, and then we can look at building tools that fit with what they're actually trying to do in the future. And this is also going to be something that is very heavily tied into the API. So people get to build their own tools. You'll be able to make a website that somebody can look and see how much you uh, mined uh, from the this moon mining operation. You can potentially collect money from a payout that way and build your own tools for the people that really have those advanced needs. I like that. Uh, yeah, Two interrelated questions here, um, kind of okay, related. These, to, these questions, and then we'll move on to reactions. Then we're going to come back to the big question, well, low sec. But go ahead. Well, yeah, and and, and this is actually about the reaction thing. Uh, with the new reaction, will will the new reaction system require ME or TE on 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 the blueprints? And then, how will sovereignty affect either the moon mining process or the reaction process? So the um, reactions are an MET. We're not sure exactly which way we're going to go there. There's the simplest form, which is to keep it as not you have them be blueprints that can't be researched and can't be copied, and you just work from the VPO, but have them be cheap VPO. It's basically the same price as the reaction items are right now. And that keeps it pretty close to the way the reaction items work at the moment. In a lot of ways, they're basically like a proto-blueprint. Um, they, uh, they're just this item that you stick into the reactor. Right? Um, the... Uh, other more advanced version would be to allow research on it, allow copying on it. And we're, we're basically investigating both right now to see which one would provide the best gameplay. We don't want to be adding complexity where it might not be very valuable. Mm-hmm. Is the and, then, well, and then the other thing was the, the, the question of sovereignty. Is that going to have any... Dirk and Carneros. Um, so the big uh, effect you'll definitely be to get from sovereignty is that if you are not the group with Sov, then anchoring these structures will take a lot longer uh, getting them online. Um, but as for other connections, uh, you'll be able to increase the industry index of the system by mining these. So you will, just like any other org, get the benefits to the ADM for mining them, and they'll have those kind of interactions. But we're not uh, currently planning, at least in the first iteration, some kind of direct, it won't require sovereign or anything like that. Um, what, what we did mention in the blog is that we're interested in investigating in the future, having um, some of these solve upgrades that are currently tied to mining, potentially moving those over to uh, refineries and have that be the, the one-stop shop for uh, resource collection, upgrading, and processing. Paneros, did you have some? Comparing for a moment the old-slash-current uh, reaction gameplay, which is mostly passive, you move stuff around a little bit, feed it into little tubes, 
my mind. And then, or the new future gameplay for Reaction, is it basically about the same, or are there any differences that stick out to you? So it's going to be quite different because the new system will work much more like industry. So in a lot of ways, we're adding a new type of industry. Right now, we've got manufacturing and uh, ME research and PE research and uh, invention, all those kind of those forms of industry that although they have some differences, they all have the same core mechanic. Uh, and we'll be moving reactions over to use that, which means it'll get all the benefits of the industry UI, uh, the blueprint browser, all of that those things will come for free with it. Um, and so instead of it being something where you connect all the tubes and then it just runs every hour, it'll be something where you uh, put in the inputs, uh, put in a number of runs. You can set, just like any other blueprint, you can um, set it to a long job or a short job to when you decide how many runs you want to make uh, and then press a button and start it and collect it at the end. Yeah, what what an uh, antiquated interface, by the way, that old boss one. It's like, and you yeah, had to I wait mean, for... It turns out anything you leave for uh, 10 years is going to start to look a little bit old. Yeah. And it was, uh, I mean, it worked if you knew how to do it, but you had to wait the first hour to see if it was actually going. You know? Oh, that's, that's my least favorite part of that system is the fact that it, there wasn't really any good way for it to warn you that you screwed up. So you just have to uh, spend an hour waiting to see if you mess something up. Yeah. You just come back if you didn't do it right. Um, um, is it, how are you going to treat, uh, Turkey, right after this, uh, how are you going to treat um, corporate um, orders can can people like turn on and off people's jobs or actually turn off people's jobs just like industry uh the current plan is it would work like industry yeah so if you have the roles you'd be able to uh, turn it on and off jobs all right thanks Dirk. yeah you know we had talked about time zone tanking before and and there was actually a suggestion that came uh that that, that came out of reddit um that that could be interesting here and that was Make it so that you can only detonate the moon rock during your vulnerability timer. Therefore, if you are going to try and time zone tank, right, you, that is when you're going to be able to 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 detonate and set your and set your field out there. So maybe it would behoove you to to not be time zone tanking like that. Well, that's uh, we're off uh, reactions then. Uh, what, what, moving on to low sec because this is really going to affect them more than anybody else. Well, I, I can any? answer that one. Um, Oh, well, hold on one second before you answer it, Fozzie. Is there anything else on reactions we wanted to cover, Carneros? Did you have anything else? No, my, my, the guys who are poking me and cueing me on the side are happy with the answers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So let's move on to Should low sec. I consider this that is... a bad sign? <laughs> no, it's a good sign. Um, or yeah, maybe it is a bad sign, right? Like you haven't put enough trickery in the system for people to figure out later. I, you guys, you don't have to lump me in with evil. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, I see what's going on there. Um, so the the low sec, I wanted to kind of bridge into low sec because it's such, such a big issue and stuff in Apothecary. Do you want to let, uh, this. finish the time zone tanking question first or do you want to go straight in? I think that's actually part of the low sec question. Um, well, no, but, it's just, it's just, no, no it's, 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 it's a general, it's universal. It's universal, yeah. Uh, I think that was one of their chief complaints. But okay, go ahead and talk about uh, this timing issue and then we'll get to low sec issues. All right. So, yeah, this is something that did come up. We've been talking a bit about this suggestion. Um, there's a couple of issues with it. Uh, the first, the most obvious ones are, little, are mechanical, things like the fact that uh, the cycle time you choose for these is a much longer time than uh, how quickly you can change the um, vulnerability. So if you set the, uh, the schedule for the moon explosion for a month from now, uh, but every week you can change your vulnerability. That that causes some problems with that those matching up and enforcing that they match up. Um, 
but also there's the uh, and this is the issue that if the moon thing if the moon progress gets paused, for instance, it can push it out of your vulnerability, and then what do we do? Um, but uh, at its core, they both have the same uh, the same incentives. So in both cases, you want to set it to be a time when you have people and your opponent has fewer. Uh, so obviously, you're not going to get any benefit if they have like ten people and you have zero. You need to find a time zone where you have an advantage. And in both cases, if somebody is getting a benefit from setting something to AU time zone because they have the biggest percentage advantage over their opponents in that time zone, they may end up finding that to be the uh, to their advantage with uh, setting the moon explosion anyways. So the, the incentives are actually pretty similar. So, okay, so the, we're talking about the detonation here and not the actual, and not the actual fracking cycle. Yeah, um, the detonation would happen pretty close to the end of the fracking cycle. This period of... Um, of getting the extra time to wait at the end of the cycle to detonate, we're talking only a couple of hours for that at most. Okay. All right, cool. Well, um, this does kind of lead into um, when are these structures vulnerable? How are they uh, attackable? And will they generate the big fights that LOSEC needs to, you know, kind of keep their guys motivated and stuff like that? Um, and Apothne, did you want to talk about this issue? Why do you hate LOSEC? <laughs> so um, there's been uh, part of the big reaction from the community about these changes. There's been a lot of concern over kind of low sec and what low sec is going to look like. If we look at back at 2013, 2014, which is even back when I lived there, um, we were just off the back of, I think it was Odyssey, where we had the T1 cruiser rebalance and everybody was in T1 cruisers going around the militias, a lot of the smaller pirate groups. And then you had just the very few, the snuff, the shadow cartels that were very small and they just occasionally drop absolutions and slave guardians on you from time to time. Uh, as times progressed to the modern day, there was that up, the, the great arms race in LOSEC where everybody moved into hacks and now slaved materials and A-hacks. Um, and then also um, even those small pirate groups, the rich ones, they to compete with each other, because now everybody was flying all this fancy stuff, they just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's got to the point where at the present day, there are a number of low-sec entities who fly very, very expensive things, and that's now their bread and butter. With the removal of the passive um, R64, passive moon mining, a lot of them believe that this is going to be a massive nerf to their alliance-level income. So to the point which they can offer SRP and assist the members into getting into and maintaining that level of uh, uh, equipment. Sorry for the long setup, but I'm trying to give context. Um, some of them are worrying that LOSEC is now dead, which personally I disagree with, but LOSEC is dead, is being wrung out as, as, as it often is, but they're feeling the CCP and you developers are kind of trying to force them into NullSec and where LOSEC is going to become a place where you can only um, fly uh, less expensive ships because that's all the space offers uh, enough income for. So low-sec space returns possibly to an area where most people are doing the T1 cruisers, the T1 battle cruisers in back in the days of yore. Which actually ties in quite nicely as Faction Warfare Losec being a place that alphas are being pushed at the end of their tutorial. So I think the big question is, is when you guys were looking at the design of this, um, what was your look at what did you hope to change LOSEC in that way or in some other way? Um, what do you uh, what do you think about the pirate groups? Should they be moving to NullSec or should there be a way for them to stay in LOSEC? Um, generally speaking, from a design perspective, are you trying to force a change or is this just evolving naturally and it wasn't something you guys had in the forefront of your mind? 
so I think it's always amusing. Low sec is kind of like even that it's it's always dying uh, from someone's perspective or another. Uh, I remember people <laughs> saying low sec was dying back when I moved to low sec in 2007. Um, back in uh, the uh, my my little corp in Cobran. Um but the uh, there's. I'll say in general, we try not to uh, make any plans with this is exactly how players are going to react to it. So things like, oh, will they switch doctrines or, think, or um, will this group move to NullSec or that group stay? Um, we don't try to make those predictions because we're going to be wrong more often than not. Uh, we just try to build mechanics that uh, lead to, to generally positive outcomes to the lead us towards these goals, like North stars off in the distance that we may never reach, but that we want to approach um, and then let things shake out as they will from there. Uh, so I think it's very possible. Some people may switch doctrines up. Um, there's a lot of low sec income sources that I know those big rich groups are taking advantage of that we're not touching in this release. So they also will have access to those still. I think one thing that I can almost guarantee out of this is that there will be a lot of new mining activity in LOSEC. And because of the fact that that's such an untapped thing at the moment, uh, people are going to be learning a new, a new type of activity, essentially. There's going to be that, that mining activity in a new context in, in a LOSEC environment in this kind of scale means that there's an opportunity for the people who learn how to master that and learn how to take advantage of that. And uh, the people that do the best of that are going to uh, prosper. For sure. Low, low sec is changing rather than dying. I think whenever people say that this type of space is dying, this type of space is dying, it's more this type of space is changing dramatically rather than dying. So maybe the old play style is dead, but the, but the space itself can still be vibrant and good. And then I, the other thing I, I wanted to ask uh, about this low sec question is that the design of citadels and their strength from a combat perspective uh, are... are roughly similar throughout space so a low sec citadel a low sec fortizar and a null sec fortizar uh, with a few module restrictions i believe are approximately of the same combat strength if we were to go into um, a low sec sense where they're definitely the low sec groups even in their current state are much smaller and less powerful than the huge null empires um, does it is it a concern that some of the that the smaller groups and then the lower end of the smaller groups, they won't be able to interact and blow up these structures without too much of a resource impact on themselves. Because obviously you, you don't just want the few top guys able to have moons and just three groups can only have moons because they're all the dominant ones and the smaller ones don't even have a chance because they are compared to null sec much smaller than the smaller null sec groups because low sec is a, is a, smaller playground, if you will, than they'll say. Uh, yep. I, I think that's something we always need to keep an eye on uh, and make adjustments as necessary. So if we do find that um, that the doctrines have changed so much in LOSAC after this that uh, we need to make a change, uh, we can do things like tune the strength of rigs uh, by security status quite easily. So it's very possible to make those. We have the dials available. Um, what I'll say is, and this is something, of course, that causes some other players to be unhappy, uh, the general design of structures is that um, the, the biggest challenge you should face when attacking them is the other players who are defending them. Um, they uh, aren't really all that great at single-target DPS, which means that they make great force multipliers, but they um, the size of a fleet you need to kill them actually has more to do with the size of the fleet that your enemy has brought than it does with the structure itself. Um, 
within limits. Obviously, it does matter. But, uh, and that's, of course, something that makes the people that would really just like to show up with 300 super carriers um, and uh, burn, it through, burn through it faster than if they had uh, 20 super carriers um, unhappy. But it also helps uh, even out that difference a little bit. So you actually think that people will mine in low sec, um, and there, I guess, if a miner can protect his fleet a little bit around the rocks. But um, are there, uh, like, what makes you think that yeah. that's going to happen? Yeah, what, what makes he's you think that? Mining, he's putting money on the table, bros. Yeah, it so sounds like I mean, come up and take, and that's and that's great because I way. tried to mine in low sec. It, if we said uh, like eight years ago, if CCP said, "Hey, we're we're introducing." missions to uh, LOSAC uh, that you run with uh, valuable ships uh, that have a lot of newts in them uh, that um, that have scrambling NPCs in them. Uh, what actually did happen was a lot of people said no one will ever run that. Uh, but uh, talk to somebody who runs level fives now and you'll know that they're, yeah, they're, lucrative. Pl- they're plenty worth it if you know what if you know what you're doing and players will find a way. So uh, just the, like the, the short of it is that you- you do see a way through. Like there is a way through to do this sort of activity in low sec, which would be fantastic. Uh, yeah, I absolutely. Do. Yeah, great. Um, what about uh, like wormholes and high sec? Is any of this stuff eventually coming, or is that really just not even thought about right now? Uh, so again, this is a, a question that's come up a whole lot. Uh, it's uh, been really good to see the excitement, especially among wormholers, for this mechanic. Um, I think it means that we've at least tapped into some something visceral about it that makes people really want to get it, even with a different resource. Um, what we don't want to do right now is commit to putting, uh, well, two things. We don't want to commit to uh, letting our scope expand too much for this first release or else we just are in danger of not getting anything done. Uh, we need to be, be uh, focused on what we do. But then also we want to make sure that we're not uh, diluting the value of uh, tech two moon minerals by spreading them out over m- more areas. Um, one of the things that I think is, is all, people often find fascinating until they run the numbers, they don't really realize it, is how much smaller the, the tech two mineral market is compared to uh, tech one minerals. Um, it is the kind of thing where uh, adding it to more regions can have the potential of undercutting the uh, the value as a uh, conflict driver in the regions that already exists in. So we want to be very careful with that, which is why we're not planning on expanding tech two minerals to other places. Uh, we think it would be really great, though, in the future to have this mechanic of pull a chunk of something out, uh, blow it up, have a resource you can mine that you can schedule ahead of time um, with a different resource, with something other than tech two minerals. So I, I think I'm really interested in seeing that. And I think the the feedback we've been getting, especially from wormholers, how excited they are about getting it. We've been a lot of people I know have been talking to Newman, uh, one of the CSM members. Um, he's been getting tons of people asking about it. We've been getting a lot of people asking about it in the forum threads. Um, that has really shown us that there's a demand there, and that has definitely put that pushed that up on our priority list. Uh, investigating getting a version of this with a different resource into wormholes, then potentially high sec as well. Well, can you think of any uh, ramifications for Faction War, another group that's kind of particular in low-sec space, uh, that this kind of hurts or helps them? Um, You know, like, how how, how do you expect that uh, Faction War is going to be affected by the new refineries? So, uh, obviously, the... um 
the faction war areas tend to be the most heavily populated in low sec. So you're going to, it's going to be the most dangerous areas to do the mining in, but it also could be an area where um, if you have a faction war organization that is able to, uh, to put some defense around that they can uh, potentially take advantage of it in the areas where they're strong. Um, the uh, the biggest changes, obviously, with the faction war with structures came from the, the docking ability, and so much faction war comes from that. And this won't be any better for that than um, than citadels. So I don't think it'll have a huge impact in that regard, in like the actual the fighting regard of faction warfare. Yeah, yeah, I think they worry about uh, the the ability to stick a fort in a certain area and make it really hard, you know, because you can constantly supply sub capitals out of that, so it becomes a little generator of you know, your opponent in that system, that sort of stuff. But, um, okay. The, uh, do we have any other questions that we wanted to clean up, uh, stuff that we left behind that you guys wanted to ask? Um, well, I guess one question is, do we really expect this to be a conflict generator, um, more than what, moon mining pauses are now um these types of these types of structures seem more defendable than an existing moon mining pause is today um does this not potentially further entrench the owner of that you know you know of that structure more than you know more than today i think that's something we always have to be really careful about the goal is to create something that is a con still a conflict generator but that is generating more types of conflict so instead of all the conflict being on the scale of people fighting over a boss uh, there could be conflict on the scale of people fighting over a belt people shooting some miners people ninja mining all of those scales which make the conflict more available to more types of players um, but keeping the the reasons to fight over the structure so that's part of why we uh why we're doing things like the ledger things that provide a good strong benefit to owning the structure we want to make sure that the effort you put into taking this thing and placing one is going to be uh, worth it but uh, we think we think that'll probably be the case so though of course we can always uh, tweak as needed as and as you've seen over the uh, uh, the past couple months we're very willing to, to tweak stuff related to mining as we see the need That's if he yeah. wants to make uh, as vulnerable and conflict driving as an R64 POS is today, he's gonna uh, want to think about not making it an order of magnitude more expensive to set up, which currently this does sound that expensive. Who, who, who's he, uh, CCP God? Oh, or CCP God, or <laughs> whoever. I mean, think about that yep. for a moment. It's only like a bill to put up a nice R64. And then, and, um, tower and if you're going to have to drop one or more citadel or one or more structures on it and outfit them and do all this stuff and uh you know possibly keep stock a whole set of ships there uh whole sets of ammo it's going to be more expensive a lot more so i'd say um placing multiple structures that's something that the, the really uh, organization with very deep pockets may be interested in doing but the entry level here which is going to be quite strong and quite workable is a is one medium refinery uh which i think will fall into a similar range to a, a well outfitted uh large it's not going to uh, be 10x uh no it's not it's going to be more like an astrohus it's going to be a, cheaper than an astrohus more expensive than a writer so around a billion definitely yeah 
Um, so one of the things that you said, because uh, you put out an FAQ on some of the things, some of the feedback you've gotten. So check that out in the uh, EVE forums uh, under the thread for comments for this um, refineries. Uh, was that siphons are going away uh, because you'll be able to be the siphon in your little mining ship, sneak into somebody's asteroid belt and siphon away the materials that you want to mine, uh, that sort of stuff. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. I was regretting because I liked the idea of siphon. I thought it was interesting gameplay, but it didn't get used much, I guess. No, it never got used all that heavily. There, It turns out that uh, the team that worked on it had to jump through a lot of hoops that never actually worked out in the end to try to prevent um, them from being easily detectable. Uh, and as they got further and further into that rabbit hole, uh, decided to just cut their losses because at the end of the day, um, you don't want to be fighting against against uh, the API that strongly. Uh, players will find a way to, to get that intel. Um, so they're, they're not heavily used. Um, there's some use, but uh, we think that this, this mechanic provides many more opportunities for disruption in a, in a more natural way than uh, the Siphon ever did. So you can mine it yourself. You can also blow up a ship and take the ore from their uh, wreck as well. Um, the also, one other thing, is any of this going to be visible? Speaking of uh, visibility, uh, any of the mining fields going to be visible on the map or, you know, or in-game statistics? Like... Uh, Anything like that, like how much mining activity when they do stats on the overlays and stuff? It's a good question. Um, my guess is they would probably just fall into any normal categories for mining activity, uh, but um, but probably no special indication on the map, although we would have the option of doing that if we think that is interesting. But this seems like the kind of thing, especially considering that there is such a long cycle time, the players can have time to show up and observe it and get a feel, okay, this rock's about halfway there. I should come back tomorrow and see how far it's moved. That kind of intel gathering, we won't, wouldn't want to undercut it too much. Yeah. Um, so that would be one reason to potentially not put it in the map. But I, yeah, it's a good question, and I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. There's another problem with the overlay, though. If you put these structures on the overlay as little blue dot things, I don't know how to describe it. Um, reaction farms, I mean, are, it seems standard to me in the world I live in for there to be a hundred bosses in a section working on stuff. And I, I mean, are, is it going to take fewer of these drilling platforms or uh, extractions? Refineries is it going to take fewer refineries than it takes pauses to do uh, an equivalent large reaction chain. Uh, yes, absolutely. Oh, it's going to take fewer. Okay. Yeah, um, it, it's going to work like industry. So um, that's a very big change from old reactions to new reactions. Wow. In that there's no longer going to be caps per structure on how many you can run. Um, so that that is going to mean uh, a lot less uh, uh, trouble you have to go through. Um, it, we are going to, just like industry, have some caps, which we haven't decided how high they're going to be on per character uh, reactions. Um, so that is going to take an adjustment. Um, but yes, we, the plan is to move it over to the industry system. So you won't need 100 of these structures. Yeah. I guess that since there's no tax, you won't need to know what system to like, you know, well, never mind all that. The, it's kind of, there seems like a lot of parallels with industry, like kind of merging some of this into industry. Um, as far as sensors go, are they going to be? Are you going to be able to scan these rocks and figure out um, as a module, not as a function yeah, so refiner? You'll be able to scan them with the normal um, survey scanner. Okay, cool. And the asteroids are going to have new names that you haven't come up with, right? Yes. Or, yeah. The plan is a new set of asteroids. These, um, it's very possible that these belts may include some of the existing ores as well, um, but there'll be new ores that'll be providing the, the, the movement. 
Cool. I imagine the composition of what's going to be in these asteroid fields will be released later uh, yeah. as you balance it out and stuff like that. And yeah. the last, well, you said some of the existing ores. You mean like mineral-based ores? Yep. I, would, this? I think there, we, we're definitely keeping the option open. I think it's very likely that there will end up being some existing ores, some mineral-based ores um, in these belts along with the uh, mm. ores. So the, the last uh, little question, this is a kind of cleanup questions that we saw before, is uh, will the market be reordered to look more like the mineral uh, market? Uh, uh, and I'm not actually sure like uh, how that question was really uh, meant to be asked. The market categories, like the layout in the market yeah, display? It's a good, I'm not sure, actually. Um, I haven't really uh, put much thought into that yet, but mm-hmm. uh, good question. I'll make a note, too. We very well may end up doing something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what they meant is the, I don't know who asked that question. Maybe it was me late at night and I forgot I asked it, but it was the, uh, is the market going to categorize category going to change because the minerals look different than the uh, moon mining stuff. Moon mining kind of looked like PI and stuff. Anyway. Great. I think we've, uh, exhausted. We have probably millions more questions. They get more refined. You can see chats going nuts with asking questions and stuff like that. So give your feedback. Um, Apathy, you have anything else? Just one thing for faction warfare people, because uh, in the with the advent of citadels, uh, where before if you were a Kaldari person, you could not dock in Galente space. The advent of citadels means, say, a pirate could put it up open to Kaldari guys, and they could have a, spa- uh, a station in space. And because of how long it takes to take citadels down, um, it's, it's very difficult to stop that new staging point. Those new staging points existing. Is there going to be any consideration with the new mining and that kind of stuff with regards to how it plays into faction warfare space or are there going to be no extra special mechanics for that we're not planning special mechanics just for the refineries for it and we would like to come up with uh with a better solution for fw and upwell structures as a whole though uh it is something that we're not very satisfied with the way it works right now um it's, it's not something that has the obvious easy solution, though. So um, we're very interested in hearing and continuing to hear suggestions. Thanks to everyone who's been writing about this and giving us ideas and feedback about this. And I'm sure it'll be a major topic in the MOSEC and FW and Crime Watch roundtable at FanFest. Um, but yeah, uh, we don't plan on, on doing something specifically for refineries, because if we had a solution for refineries, that solution would probably work for Citadels as well. So we just do it for all of them. Well, a question out there from the audience, uh, Nick Pye says, will reaction industry uh, be calculated into and taxed against the system manufacturing index? Um, it'll have its, I think the plan right now is for it to have its own separate index, but that it work just like another type of industry. All right, cool. Um, that's the majority of the major questions. We're going to do a doctrine report, then we're going to talk about game updates and headlines uh, and a little bit about FanFest. Uh, thanks for sticking around, Fozzy. Apothony, we're going to talk about, uh, looks like, T3s. Yeah, so uh, one of the staple doctrines of null and low sec and wormhole space as well for years going on now are T3 AHAC fleets. AHAC's short for uh, armor heavy assault cruisers because originally they were that class of ships, but then T3 cruisers turn out to be better at doing that with the Proteus and Legion combined. We'll hopefully have a Proteus fit coming up on screen so I can talk a little about it. They've got their kind of mid-range reasonable projection, uh, but their, their main brilliance is in their tank because they have huge, huge EHP up to even being a strong battleship tank, but then that tiny sig of a uh, cruiser. 
So this means that they are very good at punching above their weight class and they mitigate a lot, lot, lot of damage from large weapons like battleships and obviously capitals as well. Uh, so we can see the fit here. It's got, what is it, 177,000 hit, effective hit points. And that's before I've even thrown links on it. It's doing not not as good as battleship DPS, but still reasonable DPS. And then you get all the cool things like some of the Loki has better webs. You've got uh, Proteus can do the extra long points and scrams. So it's a, doc it's a doctrine and then a fleet comp that's been used across space uh, to the point where a lot of people consider it oppressive. And I thought it'd be worth bringing up because we do have T3 cruiser changes coming through. So it's kind of nice to have Fozzy on the show as I'm sure he's someone who'll be having at the very least input into those decisions. And I guess I can ask him, although obviously I can't ask you any details, if you had any details, there would be a dev blog. Uh, can you talk at all to what the design goals may be for the Tech 3 Cruisers? Like, what are Tech 3 Cruisers supposed to be from, like, a, uh, are they the versatile ship that could do anything? Are they specialized? Like, how do you guys think of T3 Cruisers and what mindset is that going into when you look at the balance changes that will be coming soon-ish, maybe future tides? Sure, I can talk a bit about that. And it's, yeah, it's not a secret that we are working on Tech 3 changes. We mentioned, I think, in the CSM minutes that we talked to the CSM about some of our plans. So they've seen a little bit more of this. Um, but we haven't announced the details, of course. We'll talk a bit more about it at FanFest as well. The, the design goals, uh, we, we believe that the, the vision of the ships that they started with is one that has merit. This idea of a ship that can uh, take a bunch of different roles, a ship that you can adjust to uh, solve different roles, not on a moment-to-moment -moment basis the way you can with a tactical destroyer, which for that reason we call those tactical destroyers, but on a, a larger time scale, choosing what you want to do with the subsystems. Uh, we think that has a valuable purpose. It's not really meeting that purpose right now for a couple of reasons, the biggest one being rigs. Um, rigs prevent you from swapping in and out uh, subsystems from day to day uh, on the same Tech 3 cruiser. Um, so we, we definitely want to have a, a solution to that. We've got a couple of them in the works that we're working on that would solve um, the fact the rigs kind of drag away the strategic aspect of the ships. Uh, we also want to make sure that the ships don't have fewer bad options. So right now, most of the subsystem options are just not being used. A lot of the subsystem combinations don't work very well together. Um, create a ship where... Uh, Subsystem options that are there are uh, more valuable um, and they're all valuable as much as possible. So there's not a lot of unneeded complexity of bad complexity. Uh, and then just generally they're, they're a balance issue because they uh, tend to step on a lot of other ships' toes. Um, they tend to uh, uh, eat up a lot of, uh, especially fleet roles and a lot of exploration roles because they, uh, they just in some ways are a little bit too strong. And this is something we've approached a bit before and we need to continue approaching that. And so those are all goals that we're going to be trying to hit with these, this rebalance. Awesome. Thanks. Great. All right, real quick game updates. Plex replacing Aurum is a real thing, and there's a second follow-up dev blog that just came out, so have a look at that. Uh, there's some adjustments. I believe the big news is that you're going to transfer all the Aurum over, but first everything over 1,000 is going to move over, so I guess the feedback works. Uh, keep that in mind. Yes, indeed. FanFest Megablog is out. Uh, get hyped. There's going to be a lore event there, which is really cool. There's actually going to be a tournament there, it sounds like. Yeah, CCV Logibro was uh, talking to me and a couple other people about the tournament this week and we making some plans, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be, the rules of it will be revealed to the people that attend on the day. Um, but uh, So I'm not going to provide any hints except to say that I, uh, I'm i very much looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. And do you just, do you just love tournaments, Fozzie? Because you're 
you know, I, I think oh, it's clear I, I you're keeping these alive. Tournaments. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, um, there's plenty of, there's a number of people keeping tournaments alive. Um, uh, with Logibro being the, uh, uh, the foremost among them. Um, and the players who are doing things like the Amazing Eve NTE tournaments, uh, also really high up on that list. Uh, but uh, the FanFest tournament is, uh, is one I'm really excited about. I just, yeah, I do love tournaments in general. I, tournaments, when I started playing, so I started playing in the middle of 2006. Um, and back then especially, there was a real hump when you got through the initial tutorial and Eve is just such a complicated game and the tutorial wasn't as good back then and the UI wasn't as good back then. And it can be really hard and to decide this is a game you want to stick with through a period where you're learning so much. It can feel, as back then we had learning skills too. That period of time, the first couple of months in is really, really tough to get through. Uh, and what got me through, what I think kept me playing Eve during that period, what, what got me hooked was watching the second Alliance tournament, which was the first one they broadcast live. Uh, watching that semifinal um, with uh, Mercenary Coalition uh, and ASCN, uh, that that tournament was what I think really got me hooked on Eve. Watching that, being at the edge of my seat, and knowing that there were thousands of other people all playing the same game in the same universe, some of them being members of these organizations, all watching this at the same time with me, um, having that kind of shared sporting event experience, the same way you do with a world sporting event in real life. I, I love that so much, and it's been a huge part of my, my EVE life since my, my goal at that point that I set for myself is I wanted to win an alliance tournament someday. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that, that then consumed a good chunk of the next couple of years of my EVE career. Well, that, that was the same for me, except it was uh, Pandemic Legion, which you were probably on that team, versus RUR was uh, one of the great, exciting matches. That was an amazing final. That is one of the all-time. There's been a, a couple of really great finals, and that's definitely one. I wasn't on PL at that point yet. That was... I was uh, with a um, uh, a low sec pirate group called the aforementioned at that point. Yeah, you ended up graduating into uh, Pandemic Legion. I don't know if it's graduating, but moving into Pandemic Legion, and you were part of the team there. And it's funny as a program note: the only time Fozzie got frustrated during this whole questioning period is when he was given too much credit for keeping the Alliance tournament alive, which we know is a group of people that does it, but we also know you work really hard at it. Um, well, cool. Um, Independent Gaming Commission, which is funny because uh, it used to be the Kaldari Gaming Commission, wasn't it? Or yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, it did used to be that. That was the initial one. Um, I think that was partly because the, if you go way back to EVE history, I, um, to EVE uh, tournament history, the first tournament that CCP ran was the first March Championship. Uh, and then when they started doing what became known as the Alliance tournaments, those were called the Kaldari Championships. And initially, I think the idea was to do ones for every race over time, but then the the uh, Kaldari one sort of turned into the Alliance tournament, so it became the default. And then now they've decided since it's much more than just one race, they would switch it up. And uh, there, I think, was a was an official lore storyline uh, that we wrote uh, about how that gaming commission shifted to becoming managed by an independent group instead of by uh, the Kaldari. Yeah. So it's funny when you try to look for AT1, it's very hard to find because you should be looking for Kaldari, Kaldari championships. Yes. <laughs> it's also hard to find because it wasn't broadcast in video. It was broadcast via audio on Eve radio. Uh, right. That was the only, the only way to watch it. There is a video of the finals that I yeah. think is around. I, I've got a copy of it that I showed at uh, Eve NT a couple of years back. Uh, but that was just taken by one of the, um, just video recorded by one of the uh, audio commentators who was doing the radio broadcast. 
Yeah, I think I have it on my YouTube. I'll have to dig it out. And I've heard you have an archive of amazing footage from older Alliance tournaments. I've got quite a bit of it. And most of what I have is, is out there. Um, I've got some that's in a Google Drive somewhere. So if anyone is interested, I, I know I've given it to, the link to a couple of people uh, with some of the old recordings. Uh, some of it's also all of my recordings or the recordings that I didn't originally take, but that I managed to get a copy of, of um, the Second Alliance tournament. Everything I've got around that is on um, e-files still. So I yeah. find it there. Um, e-files, and, a treasure trove for stuff. Yeah, yeah especially videos, these old uh, media things, people used to go there. That's the default place people put them. And uh, thanks, I think the Kriba, those things are all still there. So you can actually do a lot of research there, which I have done. Uh, so great. And uh, yeah, I have to get that address off you so I can see some of that old stuff. Love that. Um, okay, do you want to tell us about the skins though, uh, Patni? Sure. So for the last uh, couple uh, EVNT tournaments, uh, we've had special IGC skins for the winners. First, we had the uh, Typhoon for our first majors. Then we had the APOC. And this time around, we're getting the Raven. And they're beautiful colors, really nice skins. But now, for the first time, the IGC has deigned to give um, some skins to the Orm store for players to buy from, direct from the EVE store, although obviously that's changing with Nuplex and Orm going away and all that stuff. So you're able to get skins for the Corax, which has a sexy new redesign as well, the Caracal and the Drake. You do not have to participate in the tournament to get them. You can just buy them like, but like you buy any other skin, and I highly recommend them. They are some of my favorite looking skins in the game, and also their tournament related skins which just make them a million times cooler automatically <laughs> spend some of that last aura on me <laughs> all right um a couple more things that we'll move on to headlines but the uh, there's a new mirror for singularity which basically means they clean off this test server and mirror it from tranquility so anything you have in tranquility will show up in the the uh, test center so you can actually test some things out which is good um, there is a survey, as Fozzie talked about earlier, out from CCP. It probably came in your mail, but if it didn't, you can find that on the dev blog um, uh, that is talks about the progress of structures. So check that yes. out. Uh, just to make it clear, it didn't go to everybody in the mail. We sent hmm. it to a, a statistically random set of, of EVE accounts. Um, so uh, you, a lot of people won't have got in the mail. A lot will have, but definitely not everyone. So if you didn't get in the mail, go ahead and go to the... Uh, the dev I, log and check it from there. How special. <laughs> yeah, well, we, so the way we do it is we, we at, the ones we send to in the mail, we actually track a bit more closely who those people are and we can get some extra demographics from that. And then we're, we'll be looking at that as a more randomized sample and the uh, ones from the dev blog as a sample of people, the kind of people that know the dev blogs exist. So the more, the people that are a bit more into the game that follow along with our media a bit more, which isn't necessarily always the same opinions as the, the random youth player off the street. Shame on you, Derek. You're not doing enough research. <laughs> All right. Um, and also a reminder that Fozzie told us earlier, and that is that CSM stops uh, tomorrow. The voting window is closing tomorrow. So get your last votes in uh, for your CSM representatives. And quickly, speaking of the CSM, uh, I just tweeted about this before the show, but uh, we, because we've released the devlog for the refineries, we've also unredacted the CSM minutes for that session. So and we looked see. at that right before this show and saw no reason why any of that was redacted. Um, the the fact that it, like it would have announced the fact that we were working with a um, the title uh, was in the original. The no, fact that we're working on moon mining is is not surprising, but the the fact that it's going to be pulling the chunks out of the out of the moon and exploding that to an asteroid field that was in the minutes, 
and we didn't want to uh, get that out until we were ready to have the actual blog out that could put it all into context. Well, that's cool. More reading material. Uh, CSM minutes that have just been unredacted. Look at Fozzie's Twitter. You can find a link to it there. Uh, okay, let's move on to headlines. And this is just game headlines and what's going on in the game. And there's definitely a, always a lot going on in the game, but we try to look for larger themes that are developing. And so uh, Northern Coalition has invaded a syndicate. Uh, they're on deployment there, uh, whacking moons or uh, destroying uh, pauses that are on moons that belong to Initiative. But Initiative is being backed up by, it looks like, Project Mayhem, and there's some back and forth going on there. Uh, it looks like it's mostly a successful campaign, but it's early on. Um, CO2. Are you going to mention that without mentioning Horde? Sorry, no, I, 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 you should have. Go Dude, ahead. <laughs> that's completely connected to Pandemic Horde and Cloud Ring. That is, I not, that is not I, just NC Dot deciding to go to Syndicate. Thank it, you it's much. not me hiding Intel because I'm in NC Dot, but I honestly haven't seen them in fleets or seen any coordination. But yes, it uh, looks like Horde is also uh, in a neighboring area and uh, also weighing in. The, and there's, there are others. It's not. Uh, you have more intel about my side than I do. <laughs> um, I can just look at the killboards and see who's shooting the initiative ships. Yeah. Well, so check that out. And uh, and it looks like CO2 has declared war on Carneros' team, the Imperium. Kind of interesting. Can it, like, it just feels like, like and, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but like an ant declaring war on an elephant. Okay. I wouldn't describe it that way. Good for you. Like, that's, that's nice of you. Uh, so, yeah, so there's, um, looks like there's some stuff heating up in the south. And the last bit of news is a Galactic Sky Fleet from Empire, or sorry, Galactic, <laughs> Galactic Sky Fleet Empire, uh, which is about 2,000 members, 1,700, I believe, up in Tenal. And uh, you'll see a little bit of activity from them in the form of propaganda. Don't know much about them, but apparently they're high seckers. They're uh, getting their piece of the pie in Nullsec, and it's it's kind of comical. I can relate to this in, uh, in twenty oh geez twenty twelve, wanting to go into Nullsec and take soft space for the first time, and maybe it's twenty ten, and mm. uh, and uh, not knowing where to go or what we could take or what we could do, and here this group just formed up big enough and marched into Tenal and took some space and uh there you know the rumor on the street has it that they're making a few beginner mistakes but they've got enough people to support that and honestly my philosophy on leadership and mistakes is any mistake you can afford to make uh is a great learning experience and you should let the team make the mistake because they'll learn it better uh you just your leadership role is to decide if it's affordable or not and these guys are making affordable mistakes and moving forward. So Good pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, all right. Uh, so that pretty much wraps up headlines. And just uh, just a couple quick announcements. We'll go through all of them because they were announced last week by Tiberius. And this is usually his section. But I do want to say, of course, FanFest is coming up April 6th through 8th. Fozzie, are you going to be there? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I will definitely be there. Yeah. Are you going to be there? <laughs> Are you taking a, a team out to get drunk in the, in the pub crawl? Yeah, we'll have a we'll have a five zero pub crawl team again, uh, which of course will be the one that fills up first. So you guys will have to sign up for it fast. Uh, fun fact: they actually banned us from putting our team name or any of our dev names in the uh, 
in the team name or description of our pub crawl team uh, because it was unfair to all the other pub crawl teams that weren't getting enough signups. Damn, I, shots I, I, fired. I would feel really bad if like nobody joined my team and everybody's on Dirk's team. Like he's a funner drunk guy than I am. <laughs> no, it's uh, there's going to be a lot of really awesome teams. Uh, we'll need to come up with some good names for them this year again. Uh, the um, the pub crawl is always awesome. I think we're doing something similar to last year where we go to like three pubs per team and then end at a party in one location, which is a really good way of setting it up. I think we've done that for the last two years. and It's awesome. Yeah, good way to celebrate there at uh, uh, Fan Fest. Is there a highlight that you're particularly interested in, Fozzy? I think it's going to be... Uh, hmm... So we're not going to. This is not going to be a fan fest very focused on reveals, uh, which is similar to last year. Um, we found that it's best to do more of the reveals ahead of time uh, in dev blogs, and then let people think about them a bit and talk to us, and we get better feedback. Um, so don't expect some a lot of really big secret reveals. Um, so it won't be stuff like that. Um, in general, I think uh, the, the parties are always awesome. Uh, the, the party at the end of the pub crawl is is. Routinely a highlight. I think it will be again this year, uh, and uh, I'm going to be in a couple of presentations, including a structures one. And looking forward to that. Yeah, great. All right, and there's some meetups. It uh, looks like in uh, Texas, in Glasgow, uh, Denver, uh, Houston. Uh, check out um, www.evemeet and uh, go meet your friends uh, for these little get-togethers that Eve players uh, throw. We have- um, self-serving yes. thing. We have one yeah. San Diego on Tuesday. Um, the Matani's in town, so we're going to have a big fancy one at Kaminsky's Barbecue. And come on down, have a few drinks with us, play around. And, and they're serious about it. Uh, they've hired a yacht driver, so they don't have to <laughs> crash. No, that's, the ship. A, that's a different thing. No, that's a different he's not. Thing. He's, he's not handing out the address. Oh, the yacht <laughs> I'm not giving tonight. out invites to the yacht. This is for Tuesday's Sorry. Eve Player Meetup. Okay. Sorry. Or if you roll around some marinas today, you might be able to see the Matani getting on board a big boat. Or, you know, hang out. Maybe you get the groupie pass or the roadie will let you in. (laughs) Matani and boat do in the comfort of their own homes as consenting adults, Dirk. It's none of your business. (laughs) But they are vulnerable to missiles. All right. Uh, Let's uh, wrap up the show. I want to thank CCP Fozzie uh, for coming. Really appreciate it. Taking time out of a Saturday, as you can tell, he went into work for this. And it's just great that he's uh, willing to do that sort of thing for uh, the EVE community so that you can further explain some of the interesting stuff that's coming up. And it does sound epic. Uh, all the stuff that was described is uh, pretty amazing. Even the stuff after that, they're maybe conceptualizing now, which is great. Yeah, so what, me. I just want to quickly mention, yes. if you don't mind, uh, so the discussion has been going on in Twitch chat. Dirk, you're absolutely right that what you're looking at doesn't have any new information with this uh, moon mining and drilling platforms minutes. I think it's because of caching issues. Try opening an incognito browser, uh, and I think you'll get a version that has updated text. But okay. it's probably, if you've opened it before, I think it's caching the old version rather than showing you the new one for these hmm. minutes. Oh, that's interesting. What a workaround. I don't know how you figured that out. Right. Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Fozzie. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks, guys, for showing up. I want to say that the uh, if you want to support this podcast, if you like the work that we're doing, there is a Patreon slash Matterall to help uh, us, you know, uh, maybe get better mics and stuff for people. Uh, we are now going to be accepting ISK. Uh, I probably start a corporation for that sort of thing. But you can always send ISK to Matterall, and we'll use that to kind of pay the guys that volunteer their time to offset some of their time. They don't get to play the game while they do this sort of thing. 
don't, right? we, why don't we get a low sec moon for the show and like we mine. can like you know have people come mine it for mine. us or something <laughs> might do that i'm not gonna take the care for kids route because it didn't end very well for them so. <laughs> talking in a low sec mining field <laughs> but i am thinking of uh doing some kind of sponsorship as long as fozzy's here he can correct me if this can't be done some kind of sponsorship like an npr thing it was brought up by somebody i said yeah i'm not going to do that uh, but now i've thought about it and maybe that's the thing to do all things that we're exploring but You're as far as the community guys they'll know for sure what okay you know. sure i'm not going to hold you accountable for it um but i'll definitely uh look into that see what see if that's a possibility because i think it's pretty cool and when we talk about uh, supporting content creators of all kinds, uh, please, you know, send them some kind words, send them some uh, tips and donations and stuff, anything that keeps them going because they generate a lot of activity. It takes time, it takes dedication, and literally kind words are a motivator for that sort of thing. And tips and donations are things that make it possible, but just give them feedback and let them know that you appreciate what they do. It's really important. Uh, and if you want to work for Imperium News, please contact me or somebody at Imperium News through our Discord, which you can get through the website. We're looking for writers, always, uh, 500 million per article. We're looking for artists that belong to my team. Uh, I run the art department there. Uh, programmers and even people who run administration and stuff like that. But that's all the plugging we're doing today. Thank you, Carneros. Thank you, Dirk. Thank you, Apoth and Fozzie. And uh, thank you to McLeod, who actually runs the show technically. And thank you, audience, for showing up. That's all we have for you today. We will see you next week on Talking In Stations. 